but y'all know I could, but I'm afraid Coach Gates might be saying, saying a lot of things. Sorry, we need to borrow that for pregame, maybe. So that let me know. Be true. Let me know. Uh, DeVero can get that playlist for us. So. I, I, I think we could. Uh, y'all give uh, Coach Gates a big hand, please. As a, uh, as a coach, former coach, I know what it is to give up your time. Uh, you're really working all the time. You're thinking about things. Maybe I took it overboard. I'm not saying I didn't. Uh, I, I, I the only thing I've never taken overboard in my life is Jesus, and I don't think you can take him overboard, so we'll leave that. But I think it's an honor for you to be here. I appreciate you coming here. Uh, Thank you. I couldn't – I appreciate the invite and, and – uh... Thank you so much. You bet. Well, we're going to ask him a few questions. No, we're not taking questions from the crowd. <laughs> we're not going to be, you're not going to get a chance why your child's not getting to play or why did he call that play or, you know. Uh, we are three and one regardless what they say. Um, they say there was lightning over there, but the only lightning there was was the leopards hitting the field, and that was the end of that. So... I was there. It was, uh, man, for uh, almost the whole first quarter, we lit the place up. And uh, let's just pray the boys don't get overconfident, but moving that confidence so that they can uh, have a great season. Uh, it's just so much better as a coach when you win, I promise. <laughs> Am I right? It's, 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 it's not as good for my doctor because my blood pressure's <laughs> a little down, but it, it makes everybody feel a lot better. For I know sure. it does. It's much easier to be at home, too. Yes, yeah, my wife's in a lot better mood when we <laughs> uh, First question is, how long have you been coaching? This is my 18th year now to coach. Uh, you know, nine years, it goes fast. This is my ninth year, I guess, right? I was an assistant coach and defensive coordinator for nine years coming into LaGrange at big schools, all 5A and 6A schools. And, uh, and then in 2000 uh, and, not, and 10, I was uh, chosen to be the athletic director, head football coach, and Nine fast years, nine fast seasons, yeah. eight years later, here I am. So uh, proud, still proud to be here and, and uh, become a, you know, we've been ingrained into this community now. My, my babies, my three kids, Maddie, Macy, and Bo were just tiny when we got here. They were one, I guess, one, three, and four uh, when, when we got here. And now, you know, Maddie's a seventh grader, 13. Wow. Macy's in sixth grade, who's 11, turning 12. And then little Bo's nine years old, a ball boy. Y'all see him on the sideline down there. So, so he, somebody's uh, getting old. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. I just turned 40 in March. And so I got a lot more gray hairs than I did when I was 32 when I got this job, I promise you. So I had went, gone from a, from a black goatee to a salt and pepper. And it's yes, be looking like you before soon. So there we go. <laughs> That's, that's what coaching does to you right there, right? That's not in the script. I didn't tell him to say that. Um, I've coached at every level, uh, except there, was, there wasn't any 6A at that time, but every level, and winning is winning. Yes, sir. I don't care what level you coach at. So how long have you been married? Been married now. I better get this right, right? I've been, <laughs> we've been, fifth, been married 15 years. We'll be 16 December 28th. So. We come from a... We come from two families that, that uh, you know, marriage is, marriage is, is a one-time thing. And it's, a, uh, it's her parents, Stephanie's parents, have been 
married, I believe, 53 years, and mine are, have been married 48. So wow. it's, uh, it, it's not a choice. You know, it's not a... It's a it's a it's a one time thing for us for sure. It that doesn't say it's easy, but it's it's uh, ups and downs of it. But we're committed to each other forever. That's for sure. So I, I was kind of putting together the math here, and you know this guy's age wise could be my son. Do y'all know that? <laughs> I don't know if I like that or not, but okay. So you've been in Lagrange nine years. Yes, sir. And I'm glad you're here. Uh, when fans go to the game, now this is some of you that go to the game. They only see a small part of what it takes to get to Friday night, 7.30. When do these preparations begin for game night? Well, they begin all the way back, obviously, from off-season through summertime. We, we, we start working probably two weeks before the kids start. And, but, but on a weekly basis, it starts today at 2 o'clock. It really, really, 8 o'clock on Saturday mornings, whether you win or lose, you push the reset button. And yeah. so uh, you, you put those good feelings behind you, bad feelings behind you, and and you go to work on the next opponent. You know, that's the only good thing about sport other than losing that last one. But only in high school sports, you know, because we have playoff systems and, uh, you know, there's only one happy team at the end of a season, you know, if you make the playoffs, that's for sure. But uh, going to the next week, we'll, coaches work on Saturday from about 8 to 2, and then we'll have a staff meeting this afternoon at 2 o'clock and work until game plans in place and, and uh, get ready for these guys to be here in the morning and then, uh, you know, uh, we can talk about the weekly thing here in a little bit. So yes, who do we have next week? We got the Taylor Ducks coming into town, and so uh, they're two and two. Have won two of their last three, so uh, gotten us the last two years. So kind of like last, kind of like last week, we got a little got a little payback. You know, got a little extra motivation, and and uh, something what we were preaching to these guys last week is go go get some of that respect back for LG, okay. and 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 so that's what uh, you know that'll be a big thing this week is worry about us. We got to worry about us more than them. Yeah. And, Continue to get better for district play. Well, the Ducks will be two and three. Yeah. Um, well, that's important that you don't. If you don't start talking that way, you know you have to talk. You have to talk that. Um, I don't think many people see the idea of two a days, and even only that off season. And we don't have time to get into all that, but I know how long that is. It's a year long process, and not just getting ready for football. It's getting ready for all sports. You have to go through all season, which really enhances each sport. What is the most important ingredient about getting a coaching staff together? Well, the pillars of our program, not football, but at LaGrange ISD Athletics since I've been here, the number one thing that we're going to preach is character. And so if we, if we, if we preach character, t- number two, academics, and then number three, athletics, you know, they're student athletes for a reason. Sure. Student becomes first. And so uh, if we keep those three things in perspective, <clears throat> this is high school sports. Obviously, we want to win as many as we can. But in the grand scheme of things, coaches uh our number one job is to impact these young men and young women's lives in a positive way if we can just some some in smaller ways that that have great parents at home and 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 some in bigger ways that we might be that only father figure or or mother figure in their lives so uh, when i put a staff together i keep those three things in place we can teach them the x and o's we can teach them the things that I need to teach them within a football program or a defensive scheme. But the number one thing I want is a great role model for these kids. And so, so looking at people and looking at references, the first thing, what kind of person are they, first and foremost? They might be a great coach, but I don't want them if, if they're not a great father, they're not a great husband, they're not a great mother, they're not a great uh, daughter. So that's the number one thing is role model. And obviously 80% of our salary is teaching. And so are they a great teacher? Number two, are they going to impact these kids' lives? Not just athletes, but the 130 kids they see on a daily yeah. basis in the classroom. 
And then thirdly, are they passionate about the sport in which we're going to, sure. you know, uh, hire them to coach? That's good. You know, I want you to see as we've been talking about this, it's getting in the game. Okay? Get in the game. That's what we're doing. We're getting in the game. And I want you to be relating this to Christianity because all of what we're doing, the preparation, even for things in the natural, just think how they relate to how we should be getting in the game of Christianity. That's been our whole theme. We have these up each week, and this, that's what they're emphasizing, getting in whatever game, what, wherever you This morning I'm going to be talking about just a little bit after uh, you speak is going to be uh, get in where you fit in. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, once off-season ends, the summer begins. What do you say to encourage them in order to be ready for the upcoming season? Well, I think the summer, the UIL about 10 years ago let coaches start to have a summer program. Yeah. And before that, it was just kids were kind of on their own. You could open a weight room and they got to come. Yeah. But, but the great thing now, we have a six-week program. We call it the EDGE. Because we call it the edge for a good reason. We want to go get an edge on our opponents. And so uh, are you going to outwork people? You know, one of the biggest sayings that I've said in nine years is people can question a lot of things about you. They can question where you're from, where, you know, how much money your parents do or don't have, what color of skin you have. They can question a lot of things about you. But the one thing that don't let anybody ever question is your work ethic because that's on you, you know. And so these kids during the summertime – Got to go out work. We got to go get that edge on our opponent. And not only on our opponent, but are you battling? Are you a two trying to become a one? So, so are you trying to get an edge on that guy that's, that's got the spot in front of you? And so it's about work ethic. It's about uh, these kids. Uh, we talk about accountability within the program. It's not, it's not mandatory that you're there, but it is mandatory that we know where you are. And, and so uh, teaching them accountability, all those things that, 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 you know, being a team, not just a football team, but a family, you know, you better be accountable to your wife, you better be accountable to your kids. And so uh, teaching all those life lessons just through the vehicle of sports is what this whole thing's about. And summer is just another example in off season of where we get to do that. So you're saying if you have coaches, you want them to live what they preach? 100%. Okay. Yes, sir. You understood what he meant when he said if you're, if you're a two and you want to become a one, or if you're a three or a four and want to become a one. In other words, instead of sitting on the sideline, you get to play. You're not waiting for somebody to get hurt. They're waiting for you to get hurt or something, make a mistake. But ones are the ones that start. The twos and threes are maybe waiting for their chance to either be moved up to the varsity. One of the greatest things that I've uh, seen in the past probably year, you know, you read coaches' books when you're a coach and, and a pastor, and you read leadership things. And uh, I saw an interview with Kobe Bryant and, and uh, Nick Saban involved, two pretty successful guys in Real this sports guy. world. And Kobe Bryant said the first two years I was, and these DeViro and, and Marcus have heard this as well, but uh, the first two years he gets, he's my age exactly. We graduated high school in 1996. He, you know, of course, I remember that. And he, he goes right to the pros. The first two years he's sitting on the bench. He's the sixth man. So he's not starting. He says, you know, I go home and my parents, people at church, all the people, different people are telling me why I should be starting. And he said, a lot of times you've got to tell those people, be quiet. I'm not starting because of something I'm doing, not because of something. And he said, this is Kobe Bryant talking, you know, 20 years later. He said, it's something that I'm doing. I, you point the finger, three are pointing right back at you. And so uh, he said, it's, I had to look at myself, and I had to tell my own parents and people to stop the noise. I need to go to work 
and find a way to get what I want. And, and what a great lesson for, for kids these days. What a great lesson for grown-ups as well. I saw that about three weeks ago, and that'll stick with me for the rest of my career, yeah. I promise. Yeah, I like that, and I like it that we take accountability for the results that we're either not having or supposed to be having, and then you take ownership and begin to produce something different. Uh, I tell this, I have a sister, God bless her, I don't know if we're filming this today, maybe not, but if she sees it, she'll probably get angry with me. But her son and, and, and all of her relatives are all supposed to be starting. And I try to tell her that there's no way that a coach is going to lose a game if your son could change the game. I promise. If he's a one, he's going to be playing. No, he doesn't. They don't like him. No, I'm sorry. I don't care if they don't like him. I know they're going to play him to win a game unless he's doing something really crazy off the field. He's going to play if he's good enough. So it's really ridiculous when we get those parental ideas that, you know, we know more than the coach does about our son. And let me tell you another thing. Your son is different at school than he is here. Maybe you forgot that. What is the goal for two days? Sir? What is the goal for two days? The goal for two days is a lot of, like you're saying, it's the, it's the toughest time mentally for kids because uh, you use that fall camp. You hear of NFL and college people, you know, calling uh, you know, uh, summer camp, training camp, those different things. But mentally, it's the toughest time for these guys because we're trying to introduce everything we might want to do schematically in that three-week period. And so, so introduce all of it, and then we can go back. And when we, when we game plan, like today, we'll be there at 2 o'clock till probably 8, figuring out what's best out of those things that we have on our sheet to beat the Taylor Ducks. And so we game plan-wise, week to week, we get to hone it down and get a lot better, more specific. But mentally through two-a-days is a tough, tough time for kids because we're introducing so much on a daily basis uh, through our insertion plans. But also we're trying to, uh, you know, see who our leaders are, see who's yeah. stepping up, see who's, uh, who's going to end up in that one and two depth chart, who, who, is gonna be, who are going to be our captains that year. And so, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of different things are going within two-a-days schematically, but also, more importantly, uh, you know, leadership qualities and those types of things. I like that what he says. He's putting in everything to a degree uh, in two-a-days. So you know what you can do? You already know that that's filed away in your mental capacity so that when you need these things, it sounds a whole lot like Christianity. And that's why we talk about reading your Bible, coming to church, being in ministry, being out in the community, living what you say you are, because it's about game planning for the game that you're going to be in. And you're in it whether you know it or not. And I hate to say it, but there are some threes and fours in here. You hadn't gone through two-a-days. Many times we get born again and refuse to go through two-a-days. What is it like in a week of preparation during the regular season? So you're going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So let's, let's go. You've already said what's going on this weekend. What do you do Tuesday in a wrap? Just sure. Once we get uh, – coaches work probably about 80 hours during the, during the seven know. days a week during the, during the year. And so uh, Mondays we're there. And, and in LaGrange, Texas, it, it's, it's special because we're 4A Division II. You, right. we, we coach them from seven all the way through 12th grade. And so we have 12 football coaches, including myself, which – you know, which, uh, you know, get to impact all those kids on a daily basis. So we're on Mondays and Tuesdays, we're there at 630 in the morning. We have 715 practice for eighth and ninth graders Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, all the way, we'll, we'll get those eighth and ninth graders in the morning. Uh, we'll have an athletic period, fourth period for the JV and varsity, which we get about 50 minutes, about 47 minutes of quality work uh, during the during the time during during the day Monday through Monday through Friday, and then the seventh graders come in at at, at uh, right at three fifteen or so, right at three o'clock. We get them on the grass for about a, 
uh, an hour, hour and t- hour and five minutes, and then it butts right up to the varsity and JV practice, which is at four o'clock. So we got some coaches that are doing three a days every single wow. day from seven fifteen to three o'clock in the afternoon, and then we'll be on the grass until about six thirty Mondays and Tuesdays. We dial it down about thirty minutes on Wednesday. Get out of there probably about six o'clock, six thirty. And then Thursdays were there, you know, uh, myself, K2, my little brother, offense coordinator, and then uh, Coach Cawthorn is my defense coordinator. The other nine coaches have a Thursday night assignment. So every Thursday night, they'll be coaching from seventh grade offensive coordinator to JV offensive coordinator and, and vice versa. So those guys, like, like last week, we sent four teams to, to, uh, all the way to, to, uh, to Navarro, and those guys didn't get back until about, you know, about 10 o'clock that evening. Yeah. And then we'll turn around Friday, and Fridays are the long days where you, you, know, you get back about midnight. If we would have played the other night, we would have got about, back about midnight. Sure. By the time we get these guys out of there, it's probably 1230 or 1, and then film goes on at 8 o'clock Saturday morning to get ready for the next one. See, you, you just think they throw the ball out on Friday night, 730, kick it off. But you don't really know what, what goes on. And just think, again, if it's this intricate for something in the natural, how much more should it be in the supernatural because we're, we're doing something for the kingdom of God. And I pray that the character that they're teaching also has an implement of that. You don't have to say Jesus to walk Jesus. Matter of fact, if that's what you're saying and not walking it, you probably need to stop saying it. Amen? What do you do when athletes when an athlete wants to quit? Well, I think that you educate them. You know, the first thing is I was always taught, and I'm sure many of us, if I started something, I don't have the option. You don't have the option, son. Whether it's it's a part it's a life lesson you get through it you might not be happy you might not but you chose to start it so let's finish it first and foremost after a season let's sit down and talk i've had plenty of kids trey shoebox a I've uh, been to pitching now for four years in the in the Pirates and Brewers organization. He was at practice just the other day on Wednesday just to come say hi to us. And and uh, he's a kid that played football through his junior year, tore his ACL, you know, has was a second round, you know, ended up being a second round major league baseball pick after his senior year. But uh, wanted love football, wanted to play football. Still to this day talks about Friday nights. There's nothing like Friday nights even after four years of minor league baseball and being drafted. And so uh, he's a great example of a, of a kid that we sat down with, with Tom and Peg and, and, his, and, his, and his mom and dad and said, you know, what's the best thing for Trey? He wants to play. He's coming off an ACL injury. He's got a bright future. He's, he, you know, that's the only one I've had that, that, that you can say, well, he's actually going to be drafted in the first couple rounds. Yeah. You know, baseball has 60 rounds or whatever it is. So, uh, but, but we have to look – at every single situation after the season, like I said, I encourage all I can, do not quit during the season. You quit one thing, it's going to get a lot easier to quit the next and the next and the next. Persevere. It might not be going your way. Once again, what can you do better uh, to, to, to make the situation better? And, uh, but, but as much as anything, after a season, in, in LaGrange, Texas, if you enjoy something, this as an athletic director, I truly believe this, if you enjoy something, then do it. That's what's great about going to a 4A school. We have 600 kids in this school, not 3,600. If you, en- you don't have to love it, but if you enjoy basketball, these football guys, go play basketball. Yeah. If you enjoy baseball, play baseball. Yeah. If you enjoy football, play it. You don't have to love it. It doesn't have to be your yeah. favorite, but, but what it does for you in the fall and what those other staying competitive all yeah. year long and, and, like and winning and losing matters when you put on the purple and gold. You know, when you're playing for a select team and playing 12 – games a weekend does yeah. it really matter if you win or lose all that really you know so it's 
not that those aren't great things as well, but when you put on the purple and gold, it's something special. And, and, and so compete as much as you possibly can in things that you enjoy. Yeah, I like this. He keeps saying this, that it's, you know, what can you do? It, does that not um, apply to us as Christians? I know Jesus did it all. We all know that. I mean, he forgave your sin, but he also gives you the faith and the grace to operate at a greater level. I mean, what can you do? You know, there's always been these pastor-led churches that the pastor can do it all, but those days are gone. In the Old Testament, remember when Moses went to the mount? They were all supposed to come to the mount and hear from God, but they didn't want to hear from God because they saw the holiness, the separateness that God was calling them out to be, and they said, Moses, you go listen. We can't do that. And as a result, we've taken on that mentality that there's one guy. Now, that's not in this church because there's many of you understand about that, that you're supposed to hear from God. You're supposed to lead your family in such the same fashion. So I like this saying, what, what, what can I do? God, what can you do with me? That's what we're talking about today. What do you do, boy, you ought to know, when a star athlete gets hurt? Well, first of all, you pray for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's and that's, good. That's the biggest thing. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of ironic that I'm sitting here after a rain-out game that you don't get through the first quarter because on that faithful night, obviously with J.K. in 2016, we play six minutes worth. We're up 7 nothing, and and uh, he's sitting in the locker room with ice on his leg. We didn't know how bad it was at the time, you know, and, and, uh, and obviously we've lost, you know, obviously J.K. comes to mind for a lot of people, but, sure. but uh, you know, he's, we, we've lost a lot of good football players, you know, and that's part of it, you know, that's, that's part of the game, that's part of life as well, and, that, and that's, that's another reason why, you know, it's, we get to use this thing called sport as a vehicle to teach kids, you know, uh, the, more, the more important things, and, and so... Uh, the biggest thing is, is how can we keep – I think that people – when a kid gets hurt, that it means that – and DeVero's messed, you know, had to mess with it just for about four weeks this, this year yeah. – is they put all – you talk about off-season and two-a-days, and you put all that work into ten opportunities, you know, ten opportunities, and how do you do in those ten to get an 11th? Yeah. How do you do in that 11th to get a 12th? Yeah. And, and it's numbered, you know, and your days are numbered, your senior year, and the urgency has to lie with that senior class because – the juniors have a next season. I, God willing, have 12 or 13 more seasons. Sure. And uh, the urgency lies with those seniors in every sport we're talking about. And, and when something, you know, like that happens to, to a young man that's a leader, uh, you first of all try to keep him involved as much as you possibly can. What did you the say? Te- what did you say? You try to keep him involved as much as you can so within the team. So when somebody gets hurt or wounded, you don't shoot them. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly I say right. when somebody's being tempted to, to be drawn away into something stupid, you don't kick them out. No, not exactly right. In other words, right. you try to pull them back in. 100%, because he's the one hurting more so than the team's hurting, you know. And so uh, he's the one that's, you know, and, and those are the things that as a coach you get so caught up in winning the game and winning the game and how, what can we do. And, and, and we probably don't do a good enough job of honing those guys in enough. But, but in hindsight, and you try to love them a little more, <laughs> hug on them a little more, you do. Uh, keep them involved, get them to practice as much as they can. Hey, how can you impact us? Yeah. Because I'm a coach. I feel like I impact the team. every do. And I don't put on a helmet. So what can you do still yeah. as a team member? Because we've, we've got three, we've got two or three kids that are injured right now, but we have 46 on the roster. So wow. I never say 43. It's always 46 strong, yeah. 46 strong, because those guys that aren't putting on a helmet for whatever reason – doesn't mean they're not part of the football team. They're, they're going to be able to impact us in, in just, as, just as much a way. Or that two or three that doesn't see the field that, 
that it's tough. You know, that, that's a tough part of our job when great kids do all everything perfect, but talented. They're just not talented enough yeah. to, to be a one. And, yeah. and that those are tough things and tough conversations to have. But uh, and, and, but at the end of the day, we're, we're hired to impact kids' lives first, be great teachers, sure. but, but also to win as many as we can at yeah. the varsity level. I like that. I really do. He, he gets hurt, so he's not saying, y'all, y'all go in the back room over here. We don't have time for you. The real deal is he wants to encourage them to still stay a part of the team, still encourage them. But more importantly, I like that he's not pushing them back. He's pulling them in. Come on, church. Somebody's being tempted. Somebody's being crushed. Somebody's marriages are having difficulty. That's God, we don't kick them out. We pull them in. We talk to them. And you can always tell when the enemy's getting a foothold is when that kid feels like he's not a part anymore. Same way in the church. When somebody doesn't feel a part or they don't want to talk to somebody that can help them, you can always know that they're being separated by the enemy, not by you. And, and that's really important. I and like that. And it's just I, ironic that we we got DeVere, I know Devero and Marcus are the two that yeah. Mark Marcus went through some you know three weeks of working his tail off as well and and uh, had a little eye infection that pushed him out. But he's proud of him as well. He's yeah, worked, worked his way did. back to uh, you know going to be going to be a big part of it as well. So. I agree. You know, one thing we used to do when a kid got hurt, we didn't. Uh, you know, they already feel left out. They can't help it because, like you said, they worked all that time and they don't get to go on the field. Nobody's rah rahing them and everybody's getting suited up and they have to wear their jersey, you know, and they're wearing blue jeans on the bottom and, and they're not feeling real good. You may give them a clipboard. You try to involve them, like you said, best you can. Give them headphones so they can hear what's going on. But what we used to do when a kid, we lost him for the season, we didn't ever say, and I don't know if this is right or not, but we never would say if we just had so and so. Because I'll tell you what, that'll drive you up your last nerve. Because if you would have had J.K., there would have been a difference. And it's not a matter if he's a one-man show, but I'm telling you, one, one man can make the show a whole lot better. Yes, sir, no doubt. And, and that's, <laughs> that, that, that's the case. Every, when, you, when you're talking about high school sports, you know, we, we get the kids we get. You know, we don't get to go recruit on Saturdays recruit. like these guys. And, and uh, you know, you, you love them and, you, and you, you try to get them to the best they possibly can. But, but when you lose a really good football player, it does. It impacts it. And what people don't, you know, it, it impacts, you know, our life. You know, we chose this livelihood that, that we put our whole livelihood into 14 to 18-year-olds' hands on a Friday night. And that's real. But, uh, that's real. Uh, you know, as a head, co- as a head coach, that's a, that, that's a reality. And so, uh, you know, it's, it comes down to, you know, hopefully – they see us impacting kids, and, and that's the greatest thing about LaGrange that, that I've seen so far being here nine years is that, uh, you know, expectations are high in everything we do, everything we do. And, but at the same time, when you struggle, you know, kind of like we did last year, uh, if they continue to do right by kids, and I'm the same guy that I was when we were 26 and 2 and, and, uh, but, and, and all those things, but, uh, you know, there's no, there are no excuses. We're not about excuses. We're about finding solutions and, and uh, you know, all you can do is go back to work. Hey, Coach, past is the past. I'm not bringing up last year. That's you right. did. That's right. So, and, and you know what? That's the way Christianity is. The past is the past. And I'm not saying there's not some consequences. You can turn the past to make it for your good in Christianity. Or you can live in the past, and even though Jesus has forgiven it, you can beat yourself over the head and never progress and always be looking at somebody else like they've got it easier, they've got it better. But the point is, is what are you going to let Jesus do in you? And we know that. Do you develop leaders or do they develop naturally? I tell you what, this, is, this was a tough one. I think that uh, kids these days, it's, it's, 
it's harder to find kids these days that will call people out. And I think that's a big, that's a big thing is. in leadership is, is – What did you say now? It's harder to find kids these days to call people out. You know, you, it's, you do that? You find, oh, sure. You find leaders to do that? Well, we're, we're searching for them all the time, I promise you. So, uh, but, but that's what we try to, you know, try, and in a loving way. It's not, you're, you're, not, you're not on somebody, and I'm, I'm not correcting. You know, behavior is learned. And so uh, when, my, when my three babies mess up, they're going to be told that they mess up, sure. and we're going to fix it. And uh, they might be, you know, there are going to be consequences for it. But 10 minutes later, I'm going to go hug their neck and build it back up and let them know why we did what we did, you know. And so my dad is a used car salesman and has been for 50 years. And uh, uh, my, my mama's dad was a coach, and that's where all the football, the faith, kind of the faith family and football comes of the way we were raised for sure is, is uh, you know, when, when your mom's, you know, uh, her father was a kind of a legendary Division One coach back in the 60s. And when your mom is a, is a coach's kid and, and grows up like my babies are growing up, and, you know, I, I told the – People all the time, my mom in the 90s is yelling at Emmett Smith to hit the darn hole, you know, on power, <laughs> watching football games. And so when your mom's more passionate about football or as as passionate about football than your dad is, then you grew up in a little different household, you know. Sure. So, uh, but, but, it, but it's about, you know, it's about holding people accountable. And, and kids, like we tell these seniors all the time, it's, it's not my team. Yeah. God willing, I got 12 or 13 yeah. more. This is your team. This is these 28 guys. Yeah. That the urgency has to lie with them, the leadership has to lie with them, and that's that's the case every single year. One of my favorite coaches of all time is Lou Holtz, and, and Lou Holtz, I got to see him speak about ten years ago. He said the most important part of a high school or or college team are seniors, because exactly the things I'm talking about, and and uh, that's where your leader. Not to say that juniors and sophomores and freshmen can't lead, but the urgency. It's their last shot. Like I tell them the great poet Eminem says, you gotta, you gotta, he's got a song out, you know, obviously one shot. you got one shot, so don't miss your chance to blow us because it's coming, you know. That's so, all you got. Uh, that, th- this is it, you know, whatever sport it is. And, and uh, you know, in life, we don't have two of these. we got one shot for our life as well, and that's what, it, what we right. try to get across these guys. That's good. That's really good. It's uh, <laughs> a good question. What makes winning and losing such opposites? Well, the, you know, this, uh, small things. You know, the difference in winning and losing, I think, always comes down to small things. If you're talking football especially, it comes down to inches. It comes down to taking one bad step compared to a good step, false steps. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, everybody says whatever sport it is, it's a game of inches. <laughs> you know, whatever one you're most passionate about. But football really is. I mean, and, and not just football, talking about – but we, it's something that we try to preach, and my dad's always preaching to me, if you take care of little things and do little things right over and over and over and over, and then the big things fall into place. And so uh, if we can just continue to uh, preach those things, not in football but in life, do the little things. Get up and, and tell your mom and dad you love them. It's okay. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's cool to say I love it you. It's cool, it's cool to, to, to be a good brother and not, and not a mean brother. It is. It, you know, those things are, are – are, things that I was blessed with to have a great, I'm the middle of three brothers. So I had it both ways. You know, I know how it is. So I was a big brother, but I was also a little brother and, and I was blessed to have a great big brother that, that, uh, you know, we were best friends right. and, 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 uh, I was probably not as good a big brother to K2 as I should have growing up, but he was six years younger than us. And, you know, kind of like our son more so than our brother. But, uh, but the one thing that, that, that well, there always was within our, our household was love, you know, more than anything. And, we had ups and downs and financial issues and all kinds of things and had tough times. But, uh, 
My dad always said every kid, every kid, doesn't matter, like I said earlier, doesn't matter, and this has stuck with me, and probably the reason I went to coaching was every kid you can, needs three things, love, affection, and direction. Yeah. And, and if those three things are taking place, you can't, you can't just – there are a lot of dads out there that have love and affection, but where's the direction? There's a lot of guys out there that have love and, and direction, but where's the affection? And so you got to – and like I said, I was, I was blessed with great parents and, and, uh, and just hopefully I can be a small impact, you know, on, on not me but this coaching staff and all, all 27 of us that work at LaGrange ISD can be a small impact on these kiddos' lives. If you had it to do over, would you still be a coach? Most definitely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, the, the other thing, I talk about my dad a lot, and my mom was a huge impact because of, of the sports. You know, you have a mom that loves sports and uh, not going to coddle you. There was not much coddle. You know, she still <laughs> loves me. You know, she, there's nothing we ever did that was wrong, just like a true mama, you know. Yeah. But, but she, also, uh, she also pushed us to be, yeah. to be athletes and pushed us to, to excel. And, you know, she's a, she's a special education teacher for 40 years. Wow. And, and, and so she, uh, you know, the importance of those things were at home, which, which we were very fortunate to have. But, uh, but Dad told me two things, and, I, and, I, and I've told these kids before, and I think it's a great, great – and this is what I'll tell Bo, and this is what I'll tell my, my, my three babies. He said, if you can do these two things, uh, really three things, obviously, number one, keep, keep God in your life is yeah. the most important part, uh, most important thing above everything, even though it doesn't feel like that sometimes, especially during football season. Uh, uh, because, you know, you're 80, you, we say faith, family, and football is the way I was raised. Well, football, during football season, sure feels like it's number one a lot of times, and you, you try to keep that in perspective and, and, and check yourself, you know, a lot of times. But he said, do two things, and you, as a young man, do two things, and you're going to have a good life. Number one, find something that you love to do. Find something that you don't get up and dread doing, that you can't wait to get there. Most people, you've got to work at 2 o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, I can't wait to get over there. You know what I mean? I can't wait to get over there to find a way to, in the chess match to find a way to get that great feeling at 10 o'clock on Friday night of, yeah. we got them. Yeah. You know? And if we didn't get them, then you push the reset button and, and, and you go to work the next morning. And so, uh, but there's, you don't get that in the, you know, you get, I know there's competition in the real world, but uh, you don't get, it's black and white in my business. It you is. know, there's no gray area. No. We're going to win or we're going to lose. And so, uh, you know, and, and so moral victories are really more, more, overrated. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, for for, for the way you feel, at yeah. least, you know, and and it's a lot of pressure on these guys. We're forty six strong, and the forty six strong, those forty six guys impact the way this town feels. Yeah, that's true. For a weekly basis, and, and there's nothing else in this community that does that. You know, you know, to some extent, with a winning and loss, and so it's a lot of pressure on these kids. Uh, but it's, it's something that I wouldn't change for the world, you know. And, 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 uh, and the second thing is, he said, find a woman that loves you more than life itself, you know. And so I found that for sure. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you'd still be coaching. I'd hate you to say no because we wouldn't want you coaching anymore. <laughs> yeah, I promise you. There you, you go. You better answer that one right. That's right. That's right. He did read these questions. I'm not just – just yeah, tripping him, him out, yeah. but he didn't write anything down. He's got a great memory. I don't know. That's really good. I'd had to write everything down. Y'all know that. So, what is the most a tough question? Last one. What is the most difficult situation you have had to deal with in being a coach? Well, I think that, like I just said, you know, you you have a you have a family, and and uh, 
You know, it comes down to win. And this is something that my mom dealt with her whole life. You know, the ebbs and flows of winning and losing football games. And in the grand scheme of things, they're just football games. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, we're going to be okay. The sun, you know, when you lose games, the sun comes up. My wife kisses me and kicks me out of the house. Say, find a find a way to win the next one. You know, and uh, but but at the end of every single at the end of every single game, my three babies come up and hug me, and and uh, you know that's. That's what it's all about, you know, and, and the hard thing is when you're, you know, kind of, you know, not a, people know you because you're the, the head football coach in a town like this, and, uh, and I, I tell my kids that all the time. People know you as well, so yeah. uh, you represent the last name on the back of your jersey, you know, so you're a Cates, and you better act like a Cates all the time because everybody knows who you are in this town, and, and uh, that's something that my mom had to live with and, and, and is a great example for them to – that they can kind of lean on, you know. I know last year, one of them, my oldest, <laughs> came home kind of crying. I said, "What is wrong with you? You know, we, we don't mope in this house. What's wrong with you? You know." So, uh, and she said, "Well, a kid said that the reason we're bad is because of you. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we're bad this year is because of you." I said, "Well, he's right. You know, I said I'm not doing a good enough job right now, you know, Maddie. But but all we can do is is roll up our sleeves and go back to work, and it'll be okay. All right, because." Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we use this, and like I said, I, I wouldn't change coaching for because we, we don't we make a good living, but it's not extravagant. I promise you that. And uh, we've rented a house since we've been here, and I'll continue to rent. You know, and and uh, because I don't know when when my last game for the Lagrange Leopards is. You know, as a head coach, so uh, I, like I tell my assistant coaches, I said the urgency has to lie with me, same way it lies with these seniors, because uh, you know if they kick me out of here, the next coach can. Y'all can kiss the next coach's tail and have a job next year. I said, or not. Or not. I said, you know, so, you know, if, if, uh, if we're not successful to the point in which, you know, the, the, uh, this town wants us to be successful, then I got to take my three, my three babies and wife. And, and we love LaGrange, but, but, uh, and would love to stay here the rest of our lives. But that's reality. That's what yeah. we live in every day. And so that's the hardest part, you know, of being a, being a head coach, you know, being an assistant coach is you get to do all those things and, and, it's still pressure, but it's not the pressure not in which, the which you know, the final result lies with you. But but when you keep things in perspective, it's uh, it'll all be okay. You know, I like what he said when he said, uh, you know, if we lose, it's high school football. It's not the end of the world. When I coached, before I was telling him a little bit about before I was born again, uh, getting y'all know my story. I didn't get born again until I was twenty eight, and every time we lost before I was born again, well, of course I had to. Uh, ease the pain through alcohol or whatever, okay? After I got born again, I told him that's finally the way I felt. It's not the end of the world. I mean, we lost. We're going to get better. We're going to do things to get better. We're going to do all we can do. And I know he's taking the brunt of everything when he talks about losing or winning or, you know, the, the, the real truth is a lot of times, you know, you, you can coach kids and do what you want to do with them, but sometimes their minds are, on a girl breking up with them. Sometimes they didn't do it with their own fair. 69.5. You know, some, fair weekend's the toughest one for us. One of Homecoming and fair. Yeah, I mean, let's you know. Get rid of, let's, let's get, let's get through those weekends. We'll be all right. Necessary evils of coaching, but, you know, the truth is, no matter how much that the – and I know the buck stops. You know, the buck stops with you. It really does. I don't care how they look or what they did. The buck stops with you. It doesn't – there's not an assistant coach one that the buck stops with because if the defense isn't doing good, if the offense isn't doing good, if the kicking game's not doing good, it really doesn't matter. 
because they're going to say, well, you know, that special team's coach. No, it's going to say Coach Cates isn't doing his job. What are they doing down there? So that's the, that's the pressure of coaching, which most people don't understand. And then it's you coaching coaches to do what your vision is so that when you release them, you're not having to go behind them every single second to see if they're doing what you coached them to do. Because if you do, there's not a great chemistry with you and them. Isn't that correct? And then it's time to either <laughs> have a come to Jesus meeting That's right. <laughs> or come to your leaving meeting. That's right. That's right. That's that exactly right. right. And, and, and like we said, that we have 12. I'm one of 12 football coaches, and, and w- w- this is one of our most cohesive staffs because you, you have those divisions sure. sometimes, and it's I tough. Know. And it's tough because kids are easy. I tell that all the time. When, when, you're, when you're in charge of 28 grown people, that's, that's the hardest part of my job is – is managing grown people, you yeah. know, and, and kids will kids, kids better do what we tell them to do. Why? Because Coach said so, first of all, right? And, and the other reasons don't matter, you know, so. That's true. Uh, but, that's true. But, uh, that's right, right. So, uh, but, but adults are different, you know. When you're dealing with, with, with grown people, it's, it's getting 12 grown men on the same page and going like we do right now is, uh, uh, that's why I'm excited as much as anything because we got, and also we got 12 great, great men that are, uh, great family men and great fathers and great husbands that, that are great examples for these kids. Well, Coach, I'm going to uh, relate a couple of these things to Christianity. We really appreciate you coming. If you'll just go back down there on the front row and sit. Y'all give him a hand clap. Thank you. You know, that was awesome. It really was. I, I appreciate you coming, Coach. I know it's a, I know it's a challenge. I'm sure you wondered what in the world am I getting into. Uh, yeah. you, you're, you're, you're really getting into something good because now people really know who you are. They know your heart. Right. And regardless what they do, or even how the season finishes, the real deal is they'll know your concern and care. For one, the kids. For to your family, that's so important. And of course, talking about faith is my most important thing to talk about. And I'm not going to tell you, I don't always wear a hat like this or never wear a hat hardly when I preach, but I'm going to go ahead and stay with a leopard hat today because I want the leopards to be blessed the rest of the year, so I'm going to keep wearing this hat. <laughs> I got just a few minutes, I'm going to talk to you about some things and then we'll go. It's talking about get in where you fit in. As believers, we must progress from our first initial prayer of salvation. And that's just what he was talking about earlier. You can't say you're going to play football and not get prepared. Uh, you can sign up and you can say, Coach, I'm in it. Okay, so what are you going to do to really get in it? What are you going to do to progress to go with it? There's, not, there's a whole lot more than just signing the application. There's a whole lot more than just saying you're going to be involved in the edge, which is the beginning of what you're really trying to accomplish. The real deal is, can you see the long term of things? The long term of things is obviously if you're going to start football in the seventh grade to finish while you're a senior. I wasn't very big, obviously, still not, but I did play football all those years. Uh, I got run over a couple of times, well, more than that, probably. But the point is, he's right. There are some things that you learn in football. There's something that, some things you learn in that camaraderie that you really can't learn anywhere else because you learn to depend on people. And the only other place that you can learn that is a place called Christianity. 
It, it, it's a place when somebody gets injured or hurt, somebody picks you back up, just like they do in the sport. Well, it's the same thing we need to be doing here. When somebody gets injured or hurt, you pick them up. And the injury or hurt is not to be judged because by the grace of God, there go you. You can exactly do the same thing as what the Bible says. So we got to get past the idea that I signed the application and it's all good. If we're to get, if we're to get in where we fit in, we must determine where and how to accomplish this task. Where and how to accomplish this task. How are we going to do that? I mean, many people just get saved and they don't go any further. Many people, like it says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. They get born again and they don't go any further. And they feel good and they feel like they've signed their eternal papers. But the point is they have no effect on the kingdom of God. They're not being used in the kingdom of God. And they're thinking, well, if I can just get things done my way. Listen, Jesus died to establish the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. So he's not looking for you to try to add your way on how you want to handle things. Anything that goes against the word of God is definitely the enemy trying to talk you into something that's not God. Can you lose your salvation? I don't believe so. But can you um, have such consequence that it looks like you're not saved? I think so. Read Romans 7. As we learned last week, we must get to a place where we respond to God with, here I am, send me. It's like when the coach looks around, I was told as a young man, and I was really small, I was told as a young man, if you want to play, every time the coach turns around, be in his way. I was little, so I had to be in his way a lot, or I was never going to play. And I had to kind of jump up because I was so short. Get in his way. I think the coach ought to be looking around, and when he's angry and he's mad and somebody didn't do their job, bless God, he's going to throw you in there because you're the next one up. Now, there may have been another one closer, but he's on the bench, but you're right in coach's face, and he needs somebody right now, coach, so you send him in first. And I like that. Be in his face. That's what he want to do. Before we were born again, the enemy had full access to our abilities. Isn't that right? Full access. The Word of God says in Romans 3.23 that we were all born in sin. Not a one of us that wasn't born into sin. So we're born into Adam. So there's nothing you can do except be used by the enemy until you get born again. That's the Bible. We can do nothing for God. It's hard for us to believe, but all the good works that we do, if you're not born again, have no effect on the kingdom of God. They just look good to everybody else. After we're born again, we must develop a hunger that causes us to pursue and release the life of Christ in us. Something that I had in, when I was a young man playing football, I had a hunger to play football. I wanted to play football. I was excited about playing football. I couldn't wait for two days till all the fat boys would be throwing up, and I'd never throw up a single time in my life because I had no weight. I could run forever, and I was just crazy enough. I had to play harder and tougher than everybody else because if I didn't, you know I'd get smashed. So I just played hard and tough, and, and I, had, I had the pursuit, and I had this idea that I wanted to excel no matter what. And when you're small, you have this idea that you have to do it better, stronger, and longer than everybody else. You know what I'm talking about. Well, Christianity, I don't have to do it better, longer, and stronger. I just have to do it within the confines of the grace of God that he's given me. The grace of God is no more than the power of God working in you to work through you. Many years ago, I, I preached a message on the grace of God. I think I preached about eight months on the grace of God. It's not peanut butter and jelly put between two pieces of bread. You can do what you want to do and God forgives. God has already forgiven your past, present, and future if you're born again. But the real truth is... You want to be effective in the ministry today so that others can be brought into the kingdom. We want to reach the lost and do what? 
Well, you're the found, so we ought to be raising you so that when you go out, you're a person that's reaching out without saying a word. Your life has integrity, character. All the things that Coach talked about is no different than the realm of Christianity. If you refuse to get in the game, come on, somebody, the enemy will use you anywhere. I want you to hear me. I ain't getting in the game. Come on, I'm talking to somebody today, and I want you to hear me. Look, if you're not involved in some kind of ministry, if you're not involved in, in, in reaching out in some of our outreaches, if you're not involved in teaching the kids, I'm telling you, the enemy is going to use your abilities. He'll do it. People say, well, I just, I, I, you know, I just can't do anything. That's not true. One of the major things, that I, when we go to the nursing home back in the day when I had the nursing home, you know, we used to tell all those older people, now I've become one of those older people. Not coach, just me. I've become one of those, you know what I always tell people? When they're, when they're in the rest home and, and they all have their, they have their faculties, they, get, they have, their, have a good mind, they just can't get around good, I tell them one of the best things you can do for this community is pray for it. Don't you think your prayers will not have an impact on this community? Pray for this community to have a revival, to come to Jesus, to have a unity about it that's being kingdom-led, that, that we're being in kingdom purpose and we're following the kingdom principles. If given the opportunity... The enemy will render you useless to the kingdom of God. That's not a good place to be. That's called a backslidden Christian. If you can backslide, you can slide up. Just slide the other direction. It, it's okay. I don't have much longer to go, but let me read some scripture, because if we don't read scripture, you'll think you haven't been to church. Ephesians 4, 16 and 17. Now get this. For because of him, the whole body, the church in all its various parts closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, when each part, which power adapted to its need, is working properly in all its function, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. I mean, that's the body of Christ. He talked about this just then with sports. The body of Christ is what it's all about. The body of Christ, just think about all the ligaments and tendons in your body and the muscle and the skeletal structure. Think about all that kind of stuff. That's the body of Christ and what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be so connected that when one moves out of kilter, it makes the rest of us limp a little bit. Come on, somebody. So we, what do we do? We pray for that person. We encourage that person. That's what Christianity is. But we all fit together. It's not that we sit over here so we have no, nothing to do with anybody that sits over there. Or we're mad at somebody over here so I can't talk. You understand what I'm trying to say? Anytime there's an imbalance or somebody that's out of rhythm with the Lord, we have a difficulty in manifesting, first of all, what Jesus looks like in this town. Second of all, living a life of victory in, in the midst of defeat. Let me tell you something. Last year wasn't an easy year for our team. But let me tell you something, nobody quit, everybody kept going, they started a new year, and things can get better. And they can, but that, but, but, but that depends on a lot of things. In, in coaching, it's your work ethic, it's, it's, it's the mentality that you have that no matter who you're playing against, when I coached, I used to, we used to take pregame, and I would look over there in the field, the kids would be looking down, and going, boy, they're really big, and I'd be going, we don't worry about them, folks, we, just like he said, we're taking care of us. We don't even care who's on the other end of the field. We know what we've done, and we know how we're ready. Well, listen to me. We know what Jesus has done. We know that if we'll be impacted by his word, be led by his spirit, there's nothing we can't overcome. There's nothing that we can't do that he's called us to do, because if he called you, he equipped you. That's just important that you know that. Amen? 
One more verse. So this I say. That means nothing when I say that. So this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in his presence that you must no longer live as heathen the Gentiles do in their perverseness in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls and the futility of their minds. Now think about this. The Bible says in Romans 7, if you want to get over at the end of the verse, Paul is struggling about all of the things that's going on in his mind and he's dealing with his flesh and he's dealing with the will of God and he finally gets to a place, but who can help me? And he finally says, but I have the mind of Christ. If your mind can be won over by Christ, there's nothing in your flesh that can overcome you. You have to get this. That's, that's your battle right now. When you're battling with things in the flesh, it's because your mind is being attacked by the enemy. And that's why you're wavering on, well, Jesus and, well, what's wrong with this? Well, it's not of God. That's what's wrong with it. Quit trying to compromise your faith, thinking you can say praise the Lord on one hand, and on the other hand, be living like hell. It can't happen. It won't happen. And it won't represent the kingdom of God and the grace that you've been given. You squander. So as we each are a part, therefore, a believer, it takes many to make up the whole. Our failure comes when we think the part we fulfill is unimportant. Like he said, the number twos and threes on the sideline, if they lose the idea that it's unimportant, their position, then as they're getting a few reps, because number ones get most of the reps in practice, but the number twos and threes have to pay attention. Isn't that right, coach? They got to pay attention because you never know you're one play from an injury and not playing that game or the rest of the season. And if a number two or three hadn't been listening, he won't stay on the field long. You, do you understand? But you're not number twos and threes. We're all number ones. Every single one of us can be number ones. All we have to do is get in where we fit in. Whatever God has called us to do, get in. And if you don't know where to get in, it's because you're not in your word. You have to be in your word to know where God wants you to get in. You have to be in your word so that when the Spirit of God wants to talk to you that lives inside of you, He has something to draw from. Do you know on a football team there are many parts you never see, but they must be in effect if the team will have success? Let me just read a couple. Trainers, tapers. I, coach, I've taped so many people. You should have called me a long time ago and said, you want to tape it before game time? I've taped so many people. If I had a nickel for every time I taped, I'd be a millionaire. I'm not lying. And I know a millionaire is not much anymore. I need to say a billionaire. Trainers, tapers, field managers, field maintenance, game preparation, Practice field prep, transportation managers, equipment managers, head coach, therefore athletic director. He's not just the head coach, he's an athletic director. That means he's taking care of all the other sports and making sure that they're doing things right so that there's not any uh, uh, infractions from UIL. Uh, you have equipment managers, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator in all sports, position coaches, Players, and not just 22, but a sideline to draw from, a vision for the offense, a vision for the defense, kicking game, knowledge to adjust, the chemistry to trust in each other, the band, the cheerleaders, the superintendent, the principal, the scoreboard, I mean, the, the school board, scoreboard too, school board, I mean, yeah, scoreboard, that'll be the last one. Do you understand how intricate that it really is? Well, if it's that intricate, I can read to you, and I don't have time today. I, I would like to. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, but I'm not going to read it. We don't have time. That's the same kind of deal we have. There's so many parts to the body of Christ. The thing that's hurting most of it, most of the body of Christ and the work that we're supposed to do is our ignorance. Ignorance is not stupidity. It's the fact that we don't have the knowledge of. 
And many of us as Christians don't have the knowledge of, so therefore we're just kind of moving our own ideas and thoughts and patterns, and the body of Christ suffers. That's what it does. It suffers. It suffers in this community. It suffers in... Listen, we're not the church. We're a congregation of the church. Every church in this community is a congregation, and those that truly do in each church that believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior are a member of the church. That's how it works. That's why we're all in unity if we're all following the same Savior because there's only one. Amen? You have to learn to get in where you fit in. Write that scripture down because I'm not going to read it today. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. It's talking about the entire body of Christ. Okay? Let me finish up with this. Coach, it's funny. I never used a clipboard when I coach, but I use one when I preach. It's crazy thing. I don't understand that. For a team to attain the goal of winning... They must be a machine that responds automatically to situations on and off the field. On and off the field. A great high school leader, and I pray Trey is one and, some, and Marcus and some of these others, think about this. Off the field, they have to respond in leadership capability because they can do something off the field that can cost them what's on the field. Okay, I'm talking to Christianity here. Are you listening to me? Are you listening? You can do things off the field. You can do things out when you're by yourself because that's when you really get to know yourself. Come on, somebody, help me. Each part must believe to do this for the betterment of the whole. Listen, I don't get to do what I want to do because I am to better the whole. Each football team and each football team member has to know that what they do outside of the team and not being around the team is to do something that's a betterment for the whole. So I have to make decisions thinking about what God's called me to the kingdom of God and to the body of Christ. The reason they can respond with the least bit of distraction is because they have been trained to not think, but to react. In other words, a distraction on the football team during a game doesn't even bother them. Why? Because they have been so coached, they have been so taught that they react. They don't even, I mean, I don't care what's going on. Why? When the ball snapped, I know what to do. I've had many reps. Why do you think that the Bible many times has preached over and over the same message? Because we need repetition. The same way a team does. You need repetition to know when this happens, you do this. But you don't have to think about it. You do it. Why? Because you're reading it. You're praying about it. You're involved with it. It's the same thing with the football teams. Not any difference. You're so in tune with what you're doing. When something happens on the field, when something adversity is something that we all face. They face it on a football field. We almost fumbled on the goal line the other night. We got the ball back and went in and scored. But the point is, what if we would have fumbled? Well, we don't panic. We have to regroup and take over and do what we're supposed to do, stop the offense, get the ball back and score anyway. Same way we're doing this. Same way we're doing this. Many of us spend so much time in the, in the defeat that God's delivered us from. In the faith, we must be discipled which is learning to be disciplined. That's a cuss word in the church. Disciplined according to the Holy Spirit. The word of God must be in our training. Belonging to a local body is a must. Being in a ministry is a must. What you have ownership in, you, what you have ownership in, you protect and represent. Isn't that true? You protect it and you represent it. We must... Learn to be connected one to another by the will and purpose of God through his cross. Think about this. If any man defile the temple of God, which is you, 
Him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? If you're born again, you know what temple you are. You are the Holy Ghost temple. I mean, God lives inside of you. That's exactly what happened in Pentecost. He filled each believer with his spirit. From that point on, they didn't have to worry about what was going on. I like it. I was talking to somebody the other day about the understanding of God. And at the end of Luke, I read it yesterday, it says God finally opened their understanding to the word. I love it. There's so many of people that I hear go, I, wonder what, I, just, I read the Bible, but I can't understand it. Well, that's why if you can't understand it, you don't feel a part of being connected. You don't feel a part of being in the team. You don't feel unity. You don't feel being a, a, a part of the gift that you've been given. Get in where you fit in. You don't feel a part because you don't even understand the instruction. And it says that God opened their understanding. You need to start praying that God would open your understanding. It's not that difficult. Ask him. Ask him to open your understanding, okay? Today I want to ask you, is there anybody here not sure if they died, they'd go to heaven? I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray and receive Jesus this morning. 